Welcome back to the United Pubcast. It's Friday night in lockdown, and I am by myself because I'm following those socially distanced rules and so forth. But to make it less complicated, I've got three of our good friends here, Tom as always, Josh and Rob from the It's a Football Thing podcast. How are we, gents? Cheers. Cheers, lads. Very good. Cheers. Thanks for having us, boys. Unfortunately, I didn't get a drink, so I'll just have to lift up my hand and salute you all. Um, Boys... Let's make a positive out of this. Um, obviously, the first positive is I'm hosting, so you don't have to listen to Tom. So that's that's always good. In all seriousness, I'm going to let Tom enjoy himself. He does a wonderful job on this podcast. So I thought I'll take the reins today. And what we'll do is we're going to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's one that we probably haven't really had a chance to in this chaotic Manchester United preseason that is being played in England. They should be in Australia, boys. They really should be. But I think what we can do is talking about how will success be measured this season for Oli. And the reason I think it will be a good talking point is because I think that there's lots of questions around if you're looking at the squad, um, what the job he's done so far. And in fact, what we can do is go a little bit deeper. What do you think will then happen should he not reach what we call success? Is there any risk of him getting sacked? Um, I'll bring it to you first, Tom. Let's talk about the squad. Is this squad strong enough now where Oli doesn't have the excuse to say, I don't have the, 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 the capable players? You have to say yes, and we can have a debate player for player. Is that player better than someone at Manchester City or better than that player at Chelsea, etc.? And we can discuss is that, tra- is that transfer, is that signing good business in regards to the value of that player? But forget about all that and just look at the names on paper. And I guess, yes, football is played on grass, but if you just look at the names, David De Gea, in my opinion, is still a world-class goalkeeper. If not, Dean Henderson would get into sort of many Premier League clubs. Other than that, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, many people have him as one of the best right-backs in the league. Luke Shaw is the best left-back in the league. Rafael Varane, Harry Maguire, world-class defenders. You can talk about that middle too. Um, if you can improve on Fred McTominay. But other than that, then you look at the front players. Pogba, Bruno, Mason Greenwood, Rashford, Martial Cavani, Jadon Sancho. Whatever you think of business, whatever you think of the transfer um, sums on those players... The squad is good enough, um, and Solskjaer will, which we discussed, which you just mentioned in there, it adds a huge pressure onto him because if you add any of those players into another team, you put them into a Liverpool team or a City team or a Chelsea team, you're going to expect success from those players at that club. So you do have to expect success at Man United. There is an argument, though, to say, yes, well, there's no doubt about it. We have recruited strongly with the likes of Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane is imminent to be announced. Rob, let me ask you, there's an argument to say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer needs to bring in a right back, that Wambasaka, for as good as he is, needs competition. There's also a much highly required need for a deep-lying midfielder if you speak to 90% of sensible United fans. So should the transfer window end where it is? Is there not an argument to say, well, actually, he doesn't have the finished article? Um, I thought I think if we weren't to bring anyone else in, I still think what Tom was thinking. I still think we have the the team to be challenging for a title, a good title challenge, and not just that, but good cup runs in all the other competitions. We we were screaming out for two to three players that'll jump into the starting eleven and and bolster the squad. We've got that at the moment, early days. We've got a right winger and we've got a world class centre back. They're the two positions we wanted. If we get uh, like I said, um, someone to back up Aaron Wambasaka, i.e. 
a Trippier if it was to happen, or like I said, if we are looking towards the CDM, that's only going to push and make the pressure even more. But as of right now, I believe that, like I said, this team is a team that should be challenging for a title. Challenging for a title, I don't think there's any arguments there. I'm going to go a little bit, shift a little bit, and I want to ask you all, what do you think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done well? So if we're looking at his two and a half years in charge, Josh, I'll come to you. You haven't gotten a word in yet. You're from Manchester. I think you're a good person with a bit of insight. What do you think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done really well in his time here? If we're in fact, and I'll even say go a step further on that, what has he done that both he, that all of his predecessors have failed to do? I think what he's best at doing from a managerial perspective for the players is his man management. No question about that. The way he's he can put arms around players, sort of rebuild them after being really low. Like Mourinho, no denying he's a quality manager, but imagine how the players must have been feeling after he left. Probably at, probably at the lowest point. Look at Luke Shaw. Look at the likes of Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, Pogba. You didn't have motivated players that were probably engaged in the game, I'd say. Obviously, yeah, they're paid to play football, but they're probably very low. And it's going to take someone special to probably lift them up. And I think what Solskjaer's done, and you saw that in his first 11 games, was that he he had he brought that sort of style to engage them and have that mentality of being you know winners and winning games. And that was through being the fitter team. Um, I think the second thing he's done really well, specifically in his first season, was just outline Man United's qualities against the bigger teams, um, and that was through fitness. If you won more than the big, te- if you ran more than the big teams, would beat them, and that was there's no denying he did that in his first season, beating the likes of um, you know Man City, getting results against Chelsea as well. Um, I think he's been really good at that. So say so, yeah, man management. Big one. No arguments there. Tom, what do you think of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's performances when there's been pressure applied to him? There's always been this narrative of he's on the verge of getting sacked. We have a few bad results. He, what he is capable of doing is getting his players up to really perform for him when his neck's on the line, isn't he? Well, look, Solskjaer's job is always under pressure. Well, any football manager, but especially a Manchester United manager, but there does seem to be, always be that different pressure Every game, once every six, seven weeks, there's always that one game, which you mentioned, is, it's almost a crisis and there's real pressure. So it's not just when we play against Leeds, okay, there'll be a demand and there'll be a pressure just like any other one. But in six weeks' time, there could be the exact same thing, but it just intensifies because of previous results. And he does have a, a skill, uh, I don't know if it's a skill or a knack of dealing with that and getting the best out of his players. And we can argue, we can look at different coaches, I call them coaches, but the way different managers coach their teams and get them to play. And we can just sort of discuss that as a managerial trait, a strength or a weakness as the actual coach and on the, what they do on the training ground. But what Solskjaer does, which Josh alluded to, that's one part of management. The other part of management is managing your plays and getting the best out of them. And there's no doubt that you do look at that team. I saw that tweet, I forget who put it out, but saying when Solskjaer took over, this United team was in crisis and there was only David De Gea as a world-class player. In our squad, and we're pretty much everyone agree with that. Obviously, people have talent, but you're pretty much saying De Gea is the only one consistently performing. Maybe he's not consistently performing now, but let's say you still got De Gea. Now you've got two world class centre backs. You've got the best left back in the world, arguably, and you just look at the options we have at the front and in the attacking third of the field. So, I just think from a management point of view, he has that ability to get the best out of players when the pressure is on, and that is at a club like Man United crucial. 
100%. Rob, let me ask you, both Tom and Josh have touched on it. His man management is the reoccurring theme here. Here's a good one for you. Who is the most improved player under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? I think that's easy, man. Luke Shaw by a country mile for me. Like I said, considering his injury record and where it was underneath Mourinho, as Mourinho would say, he was pretty much babysitting or using his brain and his body. Now, you've seen how much he's come. He's built himself up. His his confidence is just great to see bombing up and down the left-hand side. He's, like I said, if not, he's a world-class left-back now. He might not be the best in the world, but he's definitely top two, three in the world. I have to say definitely um, Luke Shaw under Oli. If he's not the best in the world, who is? Uh, look, mate, I, I'm sure there'll be bias out there. We're United fans, so we'll say Luke Shaw is. All right, good man. That's what I like to hear. All right, gents, let's move it on a little bit. <clears throat> What does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer need to improve? We've obviously highlighted the positives. Um, and I think there was a comment here which from Power, which is spot on. And I think this is a very obvious one. Set pieces, in-game management, build-up play. I think personnel definitely does help with that issue. But what do you guys think? Do you agree with Powell or um, Tom, I might bring it back to you. What do you think Ole needs to improve or one facet that needs improvement? It's, well, look... Just in a specific, yeah, you can look at set pieces 100%. There's rumours that we have signed a set piece coach, which was, which was sort of frowned upon um, in previous seasons, but now sort of Liverpool have a throwing coach sort of thing. So I think it is important. They've got, they spend hours on the training field a week before a game, so you might as well invest that time in a set piece coach. I think, and I've never, the thing that I think he needs to improve, not improve on the most, but what is perceived he needs to improve on the most is substitutions. I look at it and think, Whenever I'm frustrated with substitutions, I always put myself in Solskjaer's sort of shoes and I, I can understand why he is so hesitant to change things. I've been in that position. I'm saying, look, ultimately, your stronger players are on the bench, on the field. Your weaker players are on the bench. That is why they're on the bench. So when it's a close game, why are you bringing your weaker players on? Now, obviously, in the professional game, that's not the case. Your players on the bench are elite-level footballers who have the ability to change the game 100%. But in theory, that is the kind of thing he is thinking. He has his first 11 out there who he trusts. The reason the players are on the bench is because he doesn't trust them. Okay, so I, I'm always sort of on his side a little bit with the substitutions. No matter, I always am as frustrated as the next person. Come the 50, 60th minute, I'm screaming at the TV saying, make a change, make a change. And ultimately, which we discussed at the pub, I think all four of us were at the pub um, after the Europa League final. Look, penalties are a lottery, but I think ultimately what cost us in the Europa League final was substitutions because it was just a case of Villarreal had a half a new team out there. If we had half a new team out there, not in terms of quality, not in terms of tactics, just in terms of fresh legs on the field, I think we would have won in extra time. And ultimately, if I was to pinpoint one thing I want to see better from Solskjaer this year is his use of the bench. Well, I think the acquisition of the likes of Jaden Sancho, Rafael Varane definitely does allow for that. The starting 11 is stronger. And I think we've all said if the 11's improved, I think what we saw last season in the transfer window was our depth improved, but the starting 11 didn't improve. I think Cavani was a lottery. Um, he obviously exceeded expectations. Let's be honest. I think we all expected him to play a sporadic role and be a backup to Anthony Martial. So that was a lucky one by United. Um, so I do agree with what you're saying, but Josh, let me bring it back to you because you touched on man management being a strength. What about Donny van der Beek? We want to talk about man management. I think there's an argument to say when you look at the performances of say a Fred and a McTominay at times in the last season, why wasn't the Dutchman utilized more? And do you think 
that's one player specifically that Oli needs to utilize better this season. I think there's I think there's an argument that he certainly does, and I think many fans will agree that he's been you know extremely underutilized, but. I've alluded to it on past podcasts before with you guys, and I've said every time Donny van der Beek's played last season, he's had his opportunity, especially towards the halfway and back end of last season. He's done nothing to justify starting him, and I think that's a thing. I think that's a thing with Donny. Like every game he's starting now, he needs to take like his like it's a cup final. I know preseason's been halted a bit, and he's probably his chances in preseason are now going to be limited due to the COVID outbreak. But even these type of games, you need to be treating it like a like a cup final and putting in your performance in, performances in there just to try and um, you know enhance the prospects of him getting selected. Because I don't feel after every time he started that he's justified the place. I don't know about you guys. No, I think that's valid. Um, and I think in the likes of Van der Beek, I, I asked you the question because we speak about his man management, but let's also have it right. Donny didn't impress last season. His best performance was a substitute appearance against Crystal Palace in the first game, which we lost. He got the goal. Outside of that, I don't think he, while well, he was never horrible, never put in anything above a five out of 10 for me. Well, look, I would agree. I think maybe it's a little harsh. And look, I know you're not going over the, over the board. I know you both sort of see him as a quality footballer, but he does need to take his chance. But you, and I know you both, you guys do. You do need to apply context. He's coming in once every five or six weeks, and has yeah. to perform in that twenty-minute cameo. Maybe not even twenty-minute. That ten-minute cameo he gets, and it's just hard. Like as you say, if he performs well, you think, oh, it's not quite enough. Well, he's well, not Tom, given the opportunity to do so. I give you. You say that, but look at Dan James. Like Dan James is getting the same thing at the start of the season, having ten-minute cameos and scoring. When you look at those facts and numbers and you think the impact on game 100%, but again, different positions. Donny van der Beek's not in a position where he's going to go and sort of provide a threat in behind and sort of impacting games with goals. That's not Donny van der Beek's game. Like, I, I know you're not saying it, but let's say it's a right back. You're not going to demand yeah. a right back scoring. And I know you're definitely not doing that. Donny van der Beek has a completely different game to Dan James. and But you're right in the way Dan James did take his chance and he's impacting games. But I just don't think Donny van der Beek was given the opportunity to impact a game the way he does. I think he dictates a game. You're not going to dictate a game from the 70th minute to the 90 when 70 minutes or 70% of the game has got passed you by. No, that's fair. Donny's bulked up, by the way. Spent a bit of time in the gym, hasn't he? Those biceps look like if he tenses any harder, he's going to rip the new kit. Guys, I've got to say, big breaking news here. United have just released the new kit. I don't know if you can see this, but uh, the new model boy, Jaden Sancho, he's got the kit out. I just thought it was worth sharing that because every time we seem to end a video, breaking news comes out. It's nice to be on the right end of history for once. Hey, Tom? It's a cracking kit. Um, look, it's not quite the 1992 kit. Um, it's a sort of almost a cheap version of that, but um, I do like it. Um, again, it's not weird. We'll discuss discuss them before we went on air. It'll come across as a white kit on TV, I think. Um, it, it won't really look like a blue kit, but not often we have two blue kits because the third kit will be a dark blue. Um, so it's an interesting one, but I'm de definitely. I think the red kits are nice, especially the long sleeve um, with yeah. that white white sort of cuff on the on the end of the long sleeve. But um, at the moment, I've still stayed true to myself and haven't bought the kit. Um, I might cave and become a little bit weaker in future weeks, um, maybe another sign-on or two. But um, look, for one, ultimately the kits, I've been happy with them. Um, I think they look quite good this year. Yeah, I could talk about kits all day long, but um, we will keep it on Oligana Solskjaer. Rob, let me ask you, 
And I think what the heart of this podcast is, what is success for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this season? Is it finishing second again? Is it finishing first? Is it finishing top four with a trophy? What is success for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? For me, um, a title challenge and a trophy or silverware at that. That's um that's pretty much for me. I want to see. I think this team has, like I said, is built to win something now. Um, for instance, like I said, I was just talking to Tom previously before we started about all the whole cup competitions. Last year, we came obviously second in the Premier League, but it wasn't. We had what two weeks. We had a bit of a title challenge, so I would like to see a proper title challenge. Um, we had obviously we got knocked out in the Champions League. That was a big one, a failure for what I what I thought. Obviously, we, we made it to the Europa League final and we still lost that. But for me, I, I want a quarter final out of the, in the Champions League at least out of this team. I think this is a, this could be a top eight team in Europe easily for me. So at least a quarter final in the Champions League. Uh, and uh, again, something like if if I was to say what kind of trophy, an FA Cup for me. I think not even a League Cup could be enough. It's nice to have a trophy, but something with a bit more, okay, we've won an FA Cup. That's pretty much the second best trophy besides the Premier League in England and then a good and a good push for that title. I think many would agree with you. Josh, let me ask you though. A title challenge, let's say United finish fifth, but the top four is that close? Because let's be honest, the potential is there for that to happen. The gap between fifth and first, let, let's assume it's five points, but you miss the top four because of that, but then you win a trophy. Is that still success? Is that still a title challenge? I think it technically is a title challenge, but you know how our, you know how our fans are, and our fans, we have some of the best fans in the world, but some of the worst fans in the world, and numbers mean everything. You could finish, you could finish second a point behind, and it'd be a failure. It is a failure, but it'd be the biggest failure in the world. That's the, that's the difference between how your Man United fans measure success, um, unfortunately for Ali. Um, but yeah, I think if he does get a trophy and it is a close title challenge, I don't think he can have any complaints, really. You look at our team now, and yeah, I agree with what Tom said at the start of the podcast, but yeah, we really should be challenging for a title. But this is at the moment where Man City haven't really spent anything yet. They're still yet to like spend anything in a transfer market. And what, we've got like a month, to, a month and a half left, even less than a month. Um they can still get their signings, which we know the top targets are Jack Grealish and Harry Kane. If they pull one of them off, even one, I think it's pretty much, um, and I don't mean to sound negative, but it's pretty much going to be a very, very, very tough campaign for us. Well, Not I, very, I, think already. What, I think that's what a lot of people are thinking. We, we think, okay, if you rate our transfer window, we can say, okay, we're going to have a 10 out of 10 transfer window. Varane's great, Sancho's great, get in a Sol Nuglers, that's fantastic. If Manchester City add to their squad, they were better than us last year. So, yes, we've improved. But if they improve on, on top of them as well, okay, we do have to look in our own backyard and demand success from United, of course. But we do have to be re- realistic and think, well, Man City are good. Man City are signing good players. They've arguably got the best manager in the world as well. How can you say it's a failure if we don't win the league? Because they're going to be saying the exact same thing. They're expected to win the league, if not more than us. So if they go and achieve that, achieve normality by winning the league... Can we really be in a position to be really criticising United for not doing so? Because I look at it, let's say it's black and white. Trophies mean success, and if you don't win a trophy, it's a failure. Ideally, ultimately, yes. However, what if we push all the way? We, we get to the FA Cup final and a VAR decision costs us and we don't win the treble. We go to the Champions League final, we've got an injury crisis and we lose on our penalty shootout to PSG. And we go to the last day of the Premier League and lose on goal difference to a Harry Kane wonder strike. Uh, um, he scores another ground. We lose a title on goal difference. We're three kicks of the ball away from winning the treble and an unbelievable season. 
and on another day we've won zero trophies and it's an absolute failure. So, look, I know you boys are exactly the same, but you do need to apply context when saying trophies mean success and if you don't win a trophy, it's a failure. You, you've hit it now. Oh, I totally head agree with you, but yeah. let, me, let me ask Josh, Rob, please just chime in here. Yes, I agree with you, Tom, but in saying that, Sir Alex found a way to go year after year winning trophies. Now, there's also argument Sir Alex is out of this world. There's not another Sir Alex Ferguson. Otherwise, there'd be 10 other clubs out there with a manager who's been there for 26 years. But even Chelsea, to a lesser extent, manager or not, managed to pull out a trophy every couple of years. This is now United's longest trophy drought in a 30 years. A big trophy years. as well. A big trophy. That's it. Like, I think... There, there has to come a point where actually he has to deliver a trophy. But is this season that season? Because for me, it is. He has to bring one in. If we're going to talk about success, look, I totally agree with you on the title because Manchester City are strong. Chelsea will be strong. Liverpool are still going to do some business. But bloody hell, he has to win a trophy now. There's no excuses. There's no Phil Jones to cost you in the FA Cup semi final. You've got a strong enough squad now that you can, you can bring a Mason Greenwood off the bench now. Or you can have a Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial on the bench in a Europa League or a Champions League final. So that's no longer an excuse. The depth is there. He needs a trophy. No, well, you, look United, you look at United in the past couple of years and how many times have we finished top four consecutive seasons? Not many times. You need to sort of build that, those foundations where we're perceived as the challengers. And even if we don't win the league this year, we need to be finishing like second or like, not even third, but like second just to be sort of get that consistency and be seen as challengers. You don't want to be tipping out of top four every single year because you're just never going to have that cons consistency and then the expectations aren't going to be high. The expectations are just going to be like, yes, let's get top four next season if we drop out. It's just going to be like that. It's never going to be like, let's get a title. Exactly. 100% agree there. And, and Tom touches on that here. Tom Greenwell can't be losing some of those games where there is plenty on the line and we just don't turn up. You use the Burnley example. Uh, have to be able to see the team take the initiative and show the harder edge. To be fair, I think Bruno Fernandes changed a lot of that and what an impact he had. I'm just, I'm praying Rafael Varane has that opportunity because I think what Sancho is going to bring will be obvious. What I'm really keen to see is how does Varane contribute to how United set up? Solskjaer, interestingly, did say that signing is going to allow United to play multiple different ways. He's hoping that's a more expensive style of football, but that is something that we will get to in another video. Guys, let me ask you now a little bit of a controversial one. We, we've all talked about what success looks like. What is there any risk of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting sacked this season if he doesn't achieve top four, if he doesn't win a trophy? 100% in my opinion. I think he's definitely had his time now. Um, like I said, we have everyone has seen the progress. He's He's got a lot of dead wood out. He's bringing some quality players like I said, he's gone from third to second last year. He's also gone from making semifinals to making a final. Guess we haven't won. But this is the season for me to say, hey, yes, I know he's already got his kind of extended contract, but do you know what contracts are like these days? If we lose three, four games in a row at the start of the season, bang, that I, I, no one's going to be happy with that, especially after the, the window we've just had. So for me, yes, he has to do something that little bit special. The team's got to be consistent. Our, our home record this year has definitely got to change because that, that's probably the thing that hurt us the most last year. So for me, yes, I, I think any kind of, not just Oli, any Man United manager is always under pressure, but especially now that he's been backed, 
He's got a squad that he's been building in the last two, three seasons. I think he has to deliver. Like I said, it might not be a silverware in the in the um, example that Tom was giving us, but I do think it has to be a good challenge in, in all departments. 100% agree there. But, Tom, let me ask you then, what what is that situation? Take me to this dark place of hell that I hope doesn't exist. What is the situation that gets Oli sacked? Oh, look, that dark place in hell might be a one-all draw against Leeds. Can you imagine the reaction if we don't win the first game of the season? Um, it'll start straight away. But uh, I think Rob's right in terms of what he says, but um, it also comes. it's hard for me in a position where I don't want Solskjaer to lose his job, but you do look at a football manager's position and there was a lot of, out, not outrage, but Wally Outers were very sort of disgruntled about his new contract. But you have to treat a, a, play, a, a player's contract is very different to a manager's contract. Did Jose Mourinho sign a new contract the season before he was sacked, or, forget, or a year and a half. He signed in January, got sacked in December. Yes. So, look, a lot of people are saying, oh, can Solskjaer the contract? It's not like giving Paul Pogba a new contract now, which will protect his value. I, I assume Solskjaer, and I haven't seen these, and how would I know what the accurate figures are? But from all reports, Solskjaer is probably around the seventh or eighth best paid manager in the league. He's not in that top bracket of Tuchel, Pep, Klopp, those type of managers. For a Manchester United manager, he's quite well way down the list in terms of how much he's earning. So if United get into a position where they want to sack him, which they've shown with Jose Mourinho with a hefty payout, they will do early. Uh, Jose Mourinho was sacked in December. There's still a chance to make Champions League football. So it wasn't a contractual thing where, okay, we, technically today we can't make the Champions League, so we'll make a decision. They made a decision well before that. So, um, yeah, that's no, he, very well could be in a, he very well could be in a position where he gets sacked this season. And ultimately, I think it would come down to the start. Um, if it's a bad start and by Christmas time it's looking like a tricky kind of season, that's when he gets that. I think if it's a good start and we're in and around it around Christmas, um, he's in no position. You see what happens in the rest of the season. But while we talk about Solskjaer being sacked, you're depressing me. It's my Friday night. I'm trying to be happy. And Solskjaer is losing his job all of a sudden. Hey, hey, I'm definitely not trying to insinuate that that's the case. Boys, I'm going to put a positive spin on it. If Oli is not getting sacked, if we are going to have a successful season, raise your glass. Give a toast to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. There we go. All right. That's what I love to see. Cheers to that. And Raise your hands, Larry. Hey? Raise your hands. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, boy. You know what, Tom? I know we haven't – this isn't the season preview, but you know what? Let me ask you. Raise your glass if we're winning the league this season. I said that on the last one. Oh, go on, Dad. I'll say it every year. I love it. I love it. I haven't got a glass to raise, so I'm going to sit on the fence until me and Tom do the season preview. But you know what, guys? I think that that's a good way to wrap us up. Um, cheers if you're tuning in. Like the damn video. Subscribe. Click that little notification bell because we're in lockdown and we got nowhere else to be. So we'll probably be with you. Tom, are we going to be on tomorrow? Tell me. Well, United aren't on tomorrow night. Um, half the team's got COVID apparently, so we've got nothing but no United to watch. It was a good Saturday night kickoff. I think it was a 9.30 kickoff or 11 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday night, which was ideal. Now, United are in, in isolation. All right, so, well, we'll have yeah. to come up tomorrow. I will have my drink. So please, Tom, if you will allow me, I would like to do something tomorrow. What's on for the rest of the night, lads? Talk to me before we wrap okay. up. Tell our wonderful listeners how you entertain yourselves in lockdown. FIFA on I'm the PlayStation. Never, yeah, I've never yeah, watched. Um, go on, go on. I was gonna say I've never watched Marvel before, so I've been watching all the Marvel films from the start. Oh, top doing? movies, top movies, yeah. top movies. I'm up no, to, hold uh, on. Can, up... can we pick on Josh a bit? How yeah. old are you? 
And you haven't watched hey, Marvel before? 20, 20, 29. Never watched any of them. I started watching them in order. I'm up to Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a bit dark. Oh, that's a cracker. That's a cracker. I like that one. Right, Who's your favorite Marvel one. character? If it's not Spider-Man, you're wrong. I'm not up to Spider-Man yet. Spider-Man's like, it goes later in the chronological order. I watched Captain America. And that's like, that's, that's exceeded expectations. That's the one where I wasn't excited for. And it was decent. I'll give him, yeah, seven out of ten. <laughs> Captain America. Josh, Jesus, sort it out. Yeah. Rob, favorite Marvel character? Oh, man, it's a bit between Spider-Man and Iron Man for me. Okay, I can accept that answer. Iron Man's a boss. Tom? Look, I was just saying football. I saw a couple of minutes ago before we came on a YouTube video of the old Hulk, the old Brazilian player. I wouldn't say Hulk, but um, Spider-Man. <laughs> I, 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 just in from a kid, Spider-Man was always there and grew into that. Just a natural progression into Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, I could I could see you shooting webs. All right, boys, I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> Rob knows what I'm talking about. All right, guys, if you are watching the video, do give us a like, do subscribe, because you want to keep up to date when the podcast is on. As you can see, it's chilled back. We will get you involved. And thanks to everyone who did drop a comment in there. I hope we haven't missed any on there, so I hope you've enjoyed interacting. And message us. We're happy to get people on. We're happy to let anyone on here because we want to be as inclusive as possible. So, boys, cheers to all of you. I hope you have a cracking Friday night, and I'll see you tomorrow. Cheers, ladies. Cheers, boys. Thank you again. Cheers. cheers.